In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of koi gear, casting, and klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Everybody, it's July twenty second, two thousand eleven, and you're listening to episode three of Knit One Geek Two. I'm Karen, and I'm Maggie, and we're coming to you from the Hogwarts Infirmary this week. Yep, unfortunately so. <laughs> Karen has a cold; is still fighting a cold, and I done busted the ankle. Not busted, thankfully. It is not cast up. No, in plaster. No, it, it is pretty taped, though. It, it is nicely taped. I went and paid a, a smart young man to. To grope my ankle for me. Ooh. <laughs> and then did you go to see the doctor? Yes. <laughs> so I'll try not to sniffle or cough too much during this podcast. But while I get my th- get my throat still lubricated, why don't you start with adventures in knitting? That just sounds so wrong. Sorry. <laughs> it okay, wouldn't be it's... us if it didn't sound wrong. Adventures in knitting. Well, ta-da! Yay, the mitten is finished. Raise the mitten to the sky. Yes. Well, one mitten. One mitten. One mitten. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, we're going to have to start a drinking game with that now to keep going <laughs> like that. Okay, yes, one of the handsome mittens is freaking finished. Yay! Yay! Freaking squee. And I am moving on to brainless knitting. Yay! I am knitting a pair of fingerless gloves called Mary Warmers, and they're found in the Australian Knitting Magazine of 2009. The pattern is on Ravelry. It is a free pattern by Lisa Reeve, and I am knitting it out of Shibui, and because Shibui is a very glamorous color naming convention full of numbers and other such drivel like that, we're calling it, you know, something along the lines of Midnight Peacock number 25. And this is a relaxingly mindless knit. At the moment, it's just two-by-two ribbing. And judging from the pattern, every 20 rows is going to have a shaping function, either purling together or knitting together to start the ribs actually forming arches. Yeah, to get them to sort of curl together. Right. Curve together. So this is a a comforting brainless knit. I will go back and finish the other handsome mitten, because I can't stand to leave stuff undone. But I'm sorry, the brain needs a break. I can't blame you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But that's pretty much all for me right now. It's just basically been all mitten all the time? It's been all mitten all the time, and now that one mitten is done, mitten be damned. I, I know I'm moving on to fingerless gloves, which are not that different, but it's one color. It's a simple pattern. And there are two, basically. Yeah. Like, do you even have to do, like, shaping for a thumb gusset? Uh, a very small one. Okay. Very small, probably somewhere around five to six rows. Yeah. I mean, come on. So really, just give the brain a little bit of time to recharge, and I'll go. I'll take a deep breath and go back into the fray for the handsome mitten. Anyways. Once more onto the breach, dear friends. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, <laughs> your turn. What are you knitting? I'm knitting basically the same things I was knitting last week. I should probably mention exactly how far I am in those things so that I can actually give updates. I was doing the Aphrodite socks, which I have one where I'm actually sort of halfway down the foot, if not a little more. And then now the is that other... starting from the top? Or yeah, from starting the up the top, I should say. They're top down. Okay, socks. So yeah, I'm halfway through the foot on one of them, and then on the other one, I am like six rows away from starting the heel. I usually do my socks on circular needles, 
And I have two circular, well, at least two circular needles, usually more, um, in each sort of common sock size that I have. So that I'll start one on one circular needle using magic loop, and that one will get stuck in my bag to go with me on the bus. And, you know, start the other one on a separate circular needle, and that will go, you know, next to the TV. And occasionally I switch them so that they end up sort of being around the same length. Or, in this case, one of them is so far ahead because I usually split the ball in two, but it's just sort of a, yeah, that ball looks about the same size on the, on the ball winder. So it's never exact. I just wanted to get one close to the foot, see how much I have left. I'm pretty sure I have enough left in the ball to finish it. But just to make sure, I'll get to the same point on the other one. And then I'll just see if I need to pillage any yarn from one ball for the other foot. Suddenly I just got this little image of a, a mini Viking storming through a the gates into a town and asking for all of the yarn. Oh, you mean like our yarn crawls in Toronto? Yeah, something like that. No, trust me, we don't end up going to yarn stores with pitchforks and torches. That's what the battering rams are for. <laughs> but so, that's where I am on those socks. And then on the Brain Vacation socks, I was just working on the heel of the first one today. That one I'm just working one at a, one that's, at a time. That's the bejeweled yarn. Yeah, the bejeweled socks that rock. And that's just in a plain vanilla stockinette sock pattern, toe up, gusset heel. That one I'm just working one at a time, because even if I work them at the same time, I'm just going to cast on another pair of stockinette socks in wacky pants colors when I finish. So I might as well just do it one at a time. You have more wacky pants in your pocket? Is that wacky in your pants? Are you happy to see me? (laughs) Um, And Um, on that note, I would like to send out a big assless chaps welcome to anybody who is new to the podcast. But yeah, so because I might as well just do them one at a time. It's, it's not like I'm going to get second sock syndrome working on two plain Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole point of them is just to relax. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then this, other, this week I've kind of gone crazy with the other crafts because there were six weeks where I was working on nothing else. Yeah. Um, so I didn't do any spinning and I didn't do any dyeing and I really wanted to. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it. We haven't mentioned really the spinning or the dying on the podcast yet and that may be something i haven't done any until this week well you madam at least own a wheel yes you're experienced but I used it for six weeks you're ex- I've been too busy you're experienced in air quotes experience whatever more, more experienced than you are not experienced i actually borrowed a spinning wheel from a friend of ours who has quite a few of them um last year and so I was using her wheel for quite a while, and I realized that I really like spinning on a wheel. I have spun on a spindle before. I've had a spindle for a number of years, but it was usually the sort of thing where I'd be spinning really nice for like 20 minutes, and then something would happen, and all of a sudden that sucker would be falling to the floor, and I'd start swearing and cursing and be like, stupid thing, I'm putting you away! And like not touch it for three, four months. And so the same thing would happen, probably because I hadn't practiced enough, the same thing would happen the next time I took the spindle out, and the next time I took the spindle out. So I found spinning on a wheel to be much easier for me. Because my feet can take care of the whole keeping it spinning thing, and my hands just have to work on the draft. I kept asking everybody, 
is it better to learn on the spindle before you go to the wheel? And everybody I asked kept saying, well, yeah, it sort of does. So I kind of thought that the whole spindle thing was to earn my stripes before I could go to a wheel, but apparently no! no. Well, it did, I'm pretty sure that my ability to, like, start spinning on the wheel, start going pretty well straight off, was because I had done spindle spinning, so I had had the practice of drafting while it was spinning and pre-drafting and everything like that. It was just when I then tried to marry... It was the, the whole, like, trying to spin the spindle with my hands and try to draft with my hands and the whole part where if I spin a little too thinly yeah. or whatever for the weight of the spindle... Clonk to the that floor. Sort of thing. Yeah, thud on the floor. Yeah. And then trying to splice the, you know, the, the fiber back in and right. stuff like that. So then a month or two ago, after this wheel had passed on to another of our friends who wanted to try it out. I had been considering buying a Lendrum wheel, but I was sort of waiting for, you know, tax return season so I could get my tax refund and other things. I had sort of been putting it off because of the cost. And then someone noticed the local spinning guild in their message board on Ravelry. Someone was offering a Lendrum single treadle with the fast flyer, which I wanted, for a very reasonable price. And I was like, um, buying now. <laughs> I want it. But I've sort of been getting used to that wheel and that flyer and everything, because of course it's it's even a different drive system from the other wheel I'd use, so I had to sort of figure that out. And now it's going quite well, especially the last few days when I, I originally had to get some sort of plain roving or top to just sort of, just so I could figure things out without using my really nice hand dyed stuff. Yeah. Um, so I waited a little while just so I could get that. For anybody who needs to know, roving is basically the fluff. Yeah. It's the fluff after it's been, there's a number of different names for it. There's roving, top, bats, other ways. And yep. it's all in how they're prepared. I will link to what the definition of each is. Because I'm not even sure I can define it at this point. It starts out as I'll let the fluff, experts. you spin it, it winds up as yarn. There's a lot that goes on in between, but that's yeah. the general equation. I'll let the experts explain the difference between all of them. So this last week, I finally broke into my nice hand-spun stash and have been spinning away. And it's actually gone really nicely. And it's actually fairly even. And I totally forgot to bring the bobbin. <laughs> because I was working right before we started the podcast. Maggie actually picked me up from work. And so there was a bunch of stuff I forgot to bring. So I can't actually show you what I did. And then also but earlier this week... You couldn't, had... sh you couldn't show any of the listeners anyway. Well, yeah, but I can't show Maggie. <laughs> the stuff I'm spinning right now is really fine. It's probably going to be, I guess, sock yarn weight? Maybe even lace weight? I don't Ooh. know. I'm sort of at the point where I'm like, I'm just going to spin this however I want to spin this. And I will figure out what's get, what it's going to be later. Someone is getting um, proficient. And then I had the Adventures in Dying this week, which was probably not the best idea oh, when yes. I had a cold, because it caused some freaked out plurks and tweets. Yeah. I haven't done much dying either, other than, you know, the dying for the stole and some other, like, sock yarn and stuff I've done. But I got some base yarn from a company called Wool to Die For, which does you know, large quantities of base yarn. And I really like their stuff so far. But I hadn't really dyed any of that stuff because that stuff arrived right at about the time I was starting the stole. Right. I was like, no, if I dye it now, I'm going to want to knit with it. Right. So just leave temptation out of the picture. Leave me not into temptation. I can yes. find it my bloody well self. Oh God, yes. With my stash. So this week I decided to finally dye stuff. 
And it was just bad timing. It was one of those times where, like, a ton of little things go wrong. We just barely ran out of saran wrap, which I was wrapping this stuff in. So one piece of saran wrap on one of the skeins that I was wrapping was shorter than the others, and it came open, and dye was spilling everywhere, and somehow dye got inside the gloves I was wearing, so I actually had to trim my nails way back and use, like, the vegetable scrubber on my hands to get the dye (laughs) off my hands. And then I had just put stuff in the crock pot to steam because I wrapped it in saran hand painted it wrapped it in saran wrap put it in the crock pot to steam and turn it on and I realized I hadn't put vinegar in the soak water or in the dye and tell everybody what the vinegar does I was using acid dyes and vinegar helps set the dye so I had visions of steaming this thing for like two hours pulling it out and washing it and dye just running right out of it I had noticed when I was putting the dye on that it was sort of spreading a little bit because sometimes when you put the dye on, then you squish the yarn to get the dye to go into the yarn. Whenever I had soaked it in vinegar, the dye just stayed put. Like, Mm. I couldn't get it to move at all. and It wouldn't blend with the dyed sections that were next to it. Right. I had noticed they were sort of blending (laughs) when I was doing the dyeing this time. But it didn't, of course, it didn't dawn on me until I had actually wrapped it and put it in the crock pot and turned it on that I hadn't put vinegar in. Now, were you able to salvage this? Yes. Yeah. I was able to salvage it, thankfully. Um, One of them is not what I wanted it to be, but it still looks interesting, and I'll still knit it up to see what it looks like. What I did is I let it steam for a while to let it hopefully set some of the dye, because it is part superwash wool, and superwash wool is supposed to grab the dye a little more. And then what I did is the one where the colors had been blending and the end had opened up and stuff like that, That one, I just put dye in the water that was in the crock pot. Right. I just dumped that skein in the water. And thankfully, it didn't immediately start spreading dye everywhere. The other one, because I was doing, like, very different colors on each skein, one was black, red, and blue, and one was black, gray, and green, and I didn't want the red stuff from the one that was spreading everywhere. I didn't want that red getting on the other skein. Right. So the other skein, I just unwrapped, sprayed with a spray bottle using vinegar and water, rewrapped it and stuck it in the crock pot on top of the stuff right. that was just loose in the crock pot and then just let it steam for like another hour. And thankfully, the one that stayed wrapped in the plastic wrap turned out exactly as I had planned, okay. basically. Um, the green isn't quite as dark as I wanted, but I'm st- I'm just using primaries. So it's going to take some experimenting to get you know the right intensity of color and I'll probably have to you know buy more dye at some point. Oh no. Now, this um, is the newbie window here. Does none of that dye affects the interior of your crock pot? It can. Um, it doesn't. It hasn't stained it. Okay. But this is important if anyone wants to try dyeing stuff. If you're using Kool-Aid, you can use all implements that you would use in your kitchen regularly. Same if you're doing, like, Wilton's cake food Food coloring. colorings. Dye. If you use acid dyes, anything that you use with acid dyes cannot be used for food preparation. So this crock pot is actually an old crock pot of my mother's that she was getting rid of and she was going to throw out. And I was like, can I have it for dyeing? So yeah, it's not being used for food now. Dyeing sock yarn, environmentally friendly. Recycling! (laughs) Well, except for the part about, you know, then dumping, depending on if you're dumping dye into the... We're not going to talk about that. Into the water. There are other issues there. This is my positive spin on it. (laughs) 
But I haven't noticed it dyeing the crock pot. It might depend on the material. I might notice it if the interior of the crock pot was white instead okay. of harvest brown. <laughs> this is an old crock pot. But even on blogs where I've seen people dyeing stuff in like white crock pots, I haven't seen the pot getting dyed because acid dyes are used on animal fibers. They won't work on plant fibers. So it could also be that the dye just won't adhere to the ceramic. But yes, those were my adventures. Mental note, do not dye yarn when you are on Dayquil. Oh. And stuffed up and feeling like crap. Last week we talked about my NyQuil adventures. This week we talk about Karen's Dayquil's adventures. Yeah, except I don't go crazy, I just get stupid. <laughs> my brain starts forgetting things. Okay, we're moving along into Geek Squee. Squee! <laughs> A red letter day for me coming up this week. Jim Butcher's next book, Harry Dresden's 13th adventure called Ghost Stories, comes out on the 26th. And yes, if you did pre-order on Amazon, you will have it in your hands on the 26th. So it's one of those big releases that Amazon has said if you've pre-ordered, you will have it. We will have it shipped to you and you will have it in your hands. I've gotten this confirmed from a couple of people in the U.S. 26th is a Tuesday, right? I think the 26th is a Tuesday. Yeah, because right. book releases are usually on Tuesday. I know with Harry Potter, they had to make exceptions up here for delivering. Right. It. Because I don't up know, here. I don't know about up here. I know about in the United States. I don't know yeah. about up here. I'm just going to go stalk some bookstores Yeah. Uh, on, on Tuesday after my dentist appointment. Yeah, because I know with Harry Potter, they came out at midnight on a Saturday. And I know in the States, they guaranteed it in the mornings. And I think for the last few books up here, Canada Post actually delivered on Saturdays. Because they don't deliver on Saturdays. Wow. They actually delivered Harry Potter books on Saturdays. But obviously, Tuesday, that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, I'm probably... Tuesday, after my dentist appointment, I'm going to reward myself with going to search down Harry. And I'm... I'm Sorry, I'm just all a quiver to find out what's happened. And from what Jim Butcher has said, there should be probably another at least seven books in the series after this one. Wow. And I'm like, dude, cool. That is not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a personal red letter day for me. Which kind of leads into something I have for Geek Squeak. Because of course, this weekend is San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> the big event in the geek calendar, which sadly we are not at. I want to go so bad. I know. But you have to book tickets like a year the advance. year before. Yeah. So it's like, I cannot make vacation plans that far ahead. But interestingly, I've been seeing a lot of tweets on my Twitter stream from people at San Diego Comic-Con or people retweeting stuff that has appeared at San Diego Comic-Con, one of which I saw retweeted was somebody who had actually gotten an advanced copy <gasps> from Jim Butcher. No! Who is at Comic-Con. You were holding out on me. Damn you! I didn't want to tell you. Because oh. <laughs> I knew you would be in pain. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But yes, other things at Comic-Con. The blood is just squirting from the arteries, but I'm okay. Let me get something to stop that bleeding. <sighs> something to stop the bleeding. Can it be a male in assless chaps? But yes, other San Diego Comic-Con stuff. One of the big things that I've seen from this Comic-Con is yesterday was the Twilight Breaking Dawn panel. Yesterday being Thursday, July 21st. Apparently people started lining up for this on Monday. There were some that actually wanted to do it on Sunday, apparently, but either the Comic-Con staff or the Convention Center staff was like, no, please, just... I, I, I really am finding it hard. I, I remember 
lining up the night before when I was signing up for classes in university, and this was all before the online, you know, registering and stuff. Yeah, no comments from the peanut gallery about how old that is. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I remember, yeah, we would make a big deal about, you know, lining up the night before, and people would be playing their magic, the gathering cards and in the hallways and stuff like that, but three days? Well, actually, I think topping that is, I seem to remember when Star Wars Episode One came out, I knew people from a certain website, which I don't think is around anymore, um, that, and they were doing it for charity, but they were lined up in Hollywood for the premiere of the movie for, I think, a couple weeks. What? Yes. Like, camping out for a couple weeks. And I think part of it, they were raising money for charity. Okay, yeah. They were raising money for charity as a sort of... What do you tell campathon? What What do you tell your work or your family during those? I know you just book vacation time and say, "Oh, I'm going to California for those weeks to go sit on a sidewalk." Yeah, and stare at you. You don't tell them that part. The distant facade of a movie theater that I hopefully will get closer to. <laughs> well, they and they were doing like they have they had webcams going on and they had all sorts of events and stuff going on. So it was a bit more than just waiting so they could see the movie. But yeah, so apparently people were lined up and the Breaking Dawn event was going to be in the big hall at comic-con which i think seats like i think i saw something that said like six thousand people i don't know because i've never been to comic-con and i haven't looked at stuff for it too much because i know it will just hurt me because <laughs> i really want to go i'm 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 just sorry i'm just still finding it hard to wrap my brain around this but yeah i know the twilight stuff has been really big at comic-con the last few years and of course there's all kinds of a draw because of course the stars of the movie are at the panel mm. So people can squeal over, oh my god, Edward! Or oh my god, Jacob! Hell, if I'd been able to go to Comic-Con the years that 24 was doing panels there, I would have been tempted to to camp out, probably. Tempted my ass. (laughs) I would have been there with a big shirt that says, I love you, Kiefer Sutherland! Yes, for anybody who wants to send Miss Karen flowers, you can have them sent from, you know, Kay Sutherland, and, you know, she'll be squeeing happy. (laughs) One other small little San Diego Comic-Con tidbit that I saw, because I'm going to link to one place for this next tidbit, which has tons of Comic-Con coverage on it. And I'm sure you guys can find out all the stuff that's been going on at Comic-Con that you are looking for. But apparently today they had a panel for the Adventures of Tintin movie, based on the classic French sort of comic. Mm -hmm. And it's being made by Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson. A recipe for win. Yes, it's, I can't even imagine. I'm surprised the presence of those two people in the same area do not cause a shift in geek gravity and cause <laughs> some sort of black hole. <laughs> but apparently they were doing a panel today and they were talking about the movie and about other stuff. Spielberg mentioned some stuff about Jurassic Park 4. But apparently the first person to ask a question at the panel was actually Andy Serkis, who played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, dressed up and acting like a stereotypical fanboy. Now see, that's just something I would just love to see. I haven't seen actual quotes of it because I saw this notice while I was at work and I went to the website, but whatever program they were using for the live blogging of the panel crashed Internet Explorer. So I didn't actually see the quotes and I really want to see video of that. See, I just keep imagining Gollum crouching and crawling up to the... Yeah, actually Gollum crawling up. Yeah, actually Gollum. Crawling up to the microphone. The precious. The precious. You tell us more about the precious. 
Also, just as a little tidbit and side note, I'm wondering how many of you out there know that Pluto, as in, you know, the planet that is no longer a planet. The dwarf planet. The whatever planet. The gnome planet, the fairy planet, the <laughs> whatever. Uh, up until recently, it's been classified as having three moons. How many of you know that there is now a fourth one that has been found and they are looking for a name for it? Well... Enter the nerds. Yeah, enter the nerds here. Uh, some nerds got a hold of this information, and they have made a proposition that has gone across the web to name it, get this, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I kid you not. Why does this not surprise me? I mean, me seriously, don't give the geeks a chance to name anything. <laughs> Otherwise, you will end up with, well, they didn't end up with part of the International Space Station named Colbert, but it was close. <laughs> Yeah, and Neil has actually seen this, and he's he's said that it's, it's actually really cute what people are proposing and doing. But yeah, some people have said uh, that they need something better than Pluto for Neil Gaiman, and some people have said um, no. And everything has gone from in all around the world and in between for what the name should be, but it's just a really cute thought that, yeah, somebody has decided that Neil Gaiman needs his place in the universe forever and ever, for as long <laughs> as history is written down about science. And you know what? It's not such a bad idea. I it is, though admittedly, looking at the names of Pluto's other moons, yeah. it doesn't really fit. <laughs> Um, the other names of Pluto's moons, because if you follow any of the Greek mythology that the heavenly bodies are named after, Pluto is the god of the underworld, and the moons around them are the Hydra, uh, Nyx, and Charon. And there is a proposition to name the last one after the three-headed dog. No, not Fluffy. <laughs> Wrong three-headed dog. If I'm pronouncing this right, Cerebus. Cerebus? Cerberus? Cerberus, or I don't think it's... Kerberos. Well, we may be pronouncing that wrong. Hey, we're not. We're not ancient Greek. I'm not even sure I've ever heard that word pronounced. So no, he is the three-headed dog that guards um, the entrance to the underworld. You normally have to feed him something to get past him. And what was another proposition? I think it was, another one was Morpheus, or even to combine all of the inflections from the underworld and Neil Gaiman, Sandman. Yep. It was Orpheus who has a connection to everything there. Yeah. So, anyways, what do you think the, the fourth moon should be named? Should we name it Bob? So, anyways, there you go. Fourth moon for Pluto. And another spacey news this week. Yesterday, the space shuttle Atlantis touched down. Yay! Yay that it's touched down safely. Yes. Yes. Sad that, of course, it means this is the official end of the space shuttle program. But, you know, yay that it touched down safely. Yes, yes. Because there's always that feeling of, you know, talking about the space shuttle mission being over, and it's like, eh, it's not really over until they're back on the ground. Yeah. And safe. Yes. But one of the other really cool geek things, God, I love NASA. <laughs> <laughs> As they were towing Atlantis off the runway later Thursday morning, they actually played on site the music from Star Trek Voyager. Yay! Which is awesome. I saw the video of it. I didn't actually see the landing because it was just before 6 in the morning. 
And there was no way I was getting out. Sorry, geeks it. have their limits. Especially when I was doped up on NyQuil and needed my sleep. But I watched video of it later yesterday. And it's really neat watching the landing because it just glides in. There's no power. So the only thing you hear is we hear the sonic boom as it goes subsonic. And then when it actually gets to the point of landing, you can hear the noise from the, you know, the disturbance of the air and stuff. But there's no engine noise or anything like that. But then I also saw the video of them towing it with the music from Voyager in the background and a lot of the people who work there watching and clapping and stuff. And I should mention, I will link the video with the Voyager music in it. I will mention that for about the first 20, 25 seconds, there's no sound. Because this drove me nuts last night when I was trying to watch it. I thought occasionally, for some reason, Google Chrome will forget that there is audio to videos. And I have to restart it and stuff so they can hear the audio. So I'm like, stupid Chrome, what are you doing? I want to listen to this. So I restarted Chrome. And I was fiddling around with stuff. And finally, the video was on a website. And I had clicked on it so that it would open in YouTube. And I went off to try and do something to fix the audio. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can hear stuff now. And I realized the first 20, 25 seconds of the video didn't have audio. And I've been swearing at my computer for 10 minutes. Many computers, I'm sure, feel the same way. Yes. So I will give you a heads up on that. I'll also link you to the other video I saw last night, which is a really cute video of a collection of photos from the Spirit Mars rover. Oh. There's a really neat one, mainly for the, there's one picture in the set where it shows the Martian sky and it shows this teeny, tiny little white speck of light, which is Earth. With the big arrow that says, you are here? Yeah, there's an arrow pointing to it that says Earth. Cool. Like someone actually pointed it out, which is neat because you realize just how far Far away away it is when you just see, when you see home. It's an exaggerated where's Waldo. teeny tiny. You just got that. (laughs) You have more news? Yes. More geeky stuff? I wanted to pimp a series that I've been reading, and that's had a book come out recently. Oh, pimp away. Gail Carriger is writing the Parasol Protectorate series. Here's your pimp game. (laughs) Your pimp parasol. Yeah, my pimp parasol. All glittery and sparkly and everything. If you are a fan of the steampunk, this is the series for you. Gail Carriger writes about Victorian England in an alternate reality, obviously steampunk, and a society where the supernaturals have come out. They have werewolves, they have vampires, they have ghosts, and they are all members of society. They pay their taxes, they hold... Uh, their own jobs, and they're actually considered the exotic members of Victorian society. And you have experiences like going up in a dirigible and wearing the appropriate garb, you know, like weighted hemmed skirts so that they don't fly about. (laughs) <laughs> so they don't pull a Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And there's espionage, and there's duels, and there's, you know, the usual stuff about garlic and, you know, silver stakes for the werewolves. I was going to say vampires, but stakes, werewolves, vampires. Yes, you know, stakes for everybody. Stakes all around. It is told from the viewpoint of Alexia Tarabati, who has a special quality all of her own. And I'm not going to explain to you what that is, because that's just such fun. But one of the super fun props that she has, that is made for her, is an ultra-steampunk parasol that has multiple weapons and components and secret pockets in it. 
awesome. The, the handle of her parasol has elaborate lotus leaves down it for, obviously, Victorian ornamentation. Mm -hmm. But if she pulls this lotus leaf, it'll spray an acid spray. She pulls this lotus leaf, and it's a mechanical disruptor. She pulls this lotus leaf and twists the dial two turns, and a silver stake pops out at one end. Oh twists it three turns, and it's a wooden stake. I, I know I'm not getting the specifics right, but, you know, that's the general idea. That's awesome. The one problem is it's not waterproof, so she can't actually use it in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically parasols are no, technically parasols. So. But the and being the upstanding British woman that she was, the first thing she thought was, "This is absolutely fantastic." But God, it doesn't go with anything that I wear. Well, we must suffer for our duty. So she was just going to have to buy a whole new wardrobe to go with the parasol. Oh, of course. So anyway, oh dear, I have to buy new clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, oh, and just for a mental picture, one of the characters in the series who is a prominent character reoccurring is a flamboyantly foppish gay vampire. And we are talking wearing pink and yellow and cranberry all in one outfit. Ow, my eyes. With a ruby lined monocle that everybody knows he doesn't need but once anyway, to the rouged cheeks and the lace handkerchief. And he is one of the upstanding members of vampire society. Now, if that doesn't get your interest peaked, come on. I was going to say, how could anyone not watch him <laughs> wearing that sort of outfit? So yeah, Gail Carriger, it's the parasol protectorate. The first one is called Soulless. I've just finished reading the fourth one called Heartless, and now I'm looking forward to the last one. But that won't be out until March of next year, so oh, no. I shall have to make do with with other geek numbs in the meantime. Oh, and getting into some knitting geekery. Yay, knitting! Today I saw notices on Twitter that the fall issue of Twist Collective is coming out in the first week of August. Nice! I cannot wait. I know. There's actually one pattern that has been released already, which from the description looks like it's actually a pattern that sort of accompanies another pattern in the fall collection. It's a hat and mitt set, which looks really neat because it looks like they have sort of cable-y things going on mm -hmm. in them. And I think from what the description said, it's designed to sort of go with one of the shawls. I so it's like a teaser part one. Yeah. It's a teaser, maybe showing a little bit of the one of the stitch patterns. And then also with the knitting stuff, the preview of the fall interweave knits is up okay. as well, which I took a look through. And nothing really grabbed me when I was looking at it, but it might be because of the size of the pictures that I was looking at. It might help when I see bigger pictures or, you know, other shots of the items that they have. Okay. Fall knitting Fall magazines stuff. are coming. That means cool weather. Oh, dear God, are you getting the heat that we're getting? Oh, God. Oh, holy hell. And I really want to think about fall stuff now. Yeah. You don't want to think about wearing a... Well, you kind of want to think about wearing a sweater when it's cold out. Yeah. The feeling of that... Of that feeling of being cold and being nicely bundled up in a sweater warm, that is a nice thought right now. Because, dear God, it is hot. Yeah. I don't know where you are right now, but where we are, it's freaking hot as balls. Yeah. Yesterday, it was... 45 degrees Celsius with the Humidex, which I think is like 115, almost 120. Yeah, yesterday was a really bad heat spike oh. for the area. Yeah. It was the day, kind of day where like air conditioning units just do not keep up. No, air conditioning units pretty much give you the finger and say, speak to my union. Sorry. <laughs> this isn't covered in my contract. 
And getting into our cravings, covets, and crushes for this week. Another Canadian indie dyer that I love is Sweet Georgia Yarns. She's been around for quite a few years, so some people may remember her. I think there was a time where she took a bit of a hiatus, though. Okay. I think she took a year off, reevaluated what she wanted to do, opened up a studio in Vancouver, and now she's just been doing wonderful things. Yeah. I, I'll admit, I've not back. had the opportunity to knit with, with uh, Sweet Georgia yet, but it's on my list of... If I find Yoink. She doesn't have, I don't think she has a lot of brick and mortar stores in our sort of area, mainly being Toronto, that carry her stuff. I think Lettuce Knit does. I'm not sure about others. She does have them listed on her website, so you can find if there's any brick and mortar stores in your area that carry them. And then there's a, a few online stores that carry her stuff as well. She also has her own online store on her website, sweetgeorgiarns.com, which will be in the show notes. And she does pre-dye some colors, but she also offers dye to order, like tan, as we mentioned last week, which is nice, because then you can just decide what kind of yarn you want. She has some really gorgeous lace weight yarns. She has a few different kinds of sock yarn, and she's got DK and worsted weight yarns, and I think sport weight yarns as well. Wow. So she's got quite a variety, and she offers fiber, too. Nice. You can get a few different kinds of fiber to spin up. Nice. As well. And I've used her yarns for two different projects. I used her Superwash sock yarn for my Knitting Olympics project for 2010. Because mm-hmm. I used the China Doll colorway, which is red. <laughs> and yeah. I did my Maple Leaf Lace yes. socks. Yes. Because, of course, it was the Vancouver Olympics. Yeah. And I wanted socks that said Canada! And it was also nice to have yarn from a Vancouver dyer. Yeah, that's actually, uh, that works out pretty nicely. Yeah, which is really neat. So I've used her stuff for that. And then when I was at the Knitter's Frolic, not this past year, but the year before, I got some in a limited edition colorway, which you can't get anymore, called Wet Coast Winter, which is really nice. It's this light sort of springy green, dark blues, and all sorts of other colors that you'd imagine from a... Vancouver, BC, winter. Mm, okay. Because, of course, they just have, you know, rainy. Wet. Wet winters, yeah. And her stuff is gorgeous. Her superwash sock yarn base is so squishy. <laughs> it is so wonderfully, beautifully squishy. I remember I made the Wet Coast Winter socks in the spring forward pattern. Yes. Knitty. I remember. And the, oh, the yarn was just so fluffy and squishy. I just kept mooshing the ball. Moosh is another technical term, by the way. Yeah. I think it's, I think it came out as being like a fingering maybe slightly heavier than some sock yarns, which is really nice because it was, like I said, it was very squishy and heavier. It wasn't really dense. But, and the colors just spiral beautifully and I love it. And there's actually... I'm looking at the screen of colors right now and I'm really drawn to summer skin. Yeah, she's got a whole bunch of really gorgeous semi-solids and then she's got some really beautiful multicolors too. And there's a whole bunch of her colors I'm drooling over. Like, oh, I don't know, Riptide! (laughs) Which is teal. But I love her reds and her purples too. They're just... She has these beautiful, very rich, vibrant colors. There's a couple multicolors that I am especially drooling over and that I'm just waiting to get because I got a gift certificate from Sweet Georgia for my birthday, but I'm trying to spread out the gift certificates so I have presents all the time. So you're you're waiting for the strategic time to pounce. Yes. Moving from knitting crushes into art crushes, I actually sent this particular comic <laughs> to Karen, what was it, yesterday? Yes. Yesterday. 
And it was to help soothe her wounds over the latest completion of a certain movie series that will not be named. The movie which must not be named. Otherwise she'll burst into tears and start asking for chocolate frogs again. This is on DeviantArt. It is Lily-Fox, L-I-L-Y-Fox, dot DeviantArt, D-E-V-I-A-N-T-A-R-T, dot com. That's fox like the animal. The artwork in question is called In Another Life, colon, Wake Up. And we're going to link this to the podcast. We have permission from the artist. Hi, Lily, in case you're listening. Hi, Lily. We love- I love your stuff. <laughs> I sent this Especially to- that one. I sent this to Karen, and the answer I got in the email was that she had gone all wibbly, and she had basically puddled in the yes. middle of I said I melted into a puddle of goo. Yeah. Because it helps in so many ways. (laughs) It is a very touching rendition of what would happen if Snape, from where he, how do I put this delicately, passed from his reclining repose where he passed (laughs) to waking up in the life that could have been. It's an alternate universe sort of thing. Which has been helping me mightily. (laughs) I know there are many Snape fans out there who are still bombing their wounds. Yes. And this will help. So yeah, we are linking that to the podcast. This will be more of a help than a lot of the animated GIFs I've been seeing on Tumblr in the last few days. I've had to stop looking. It's just (laughs) depressing. And check out the rest of her artwork. It's awesome stuff. She has really awesome stuff. I am just obviously drawn to the Snapey Harry Potter stuff. Now, speaking of Harry Potter, how have you been doing this past week with your decompression? I actually saw the movie again on Sunday with Mom. <laughs> That's not I a... might be going this weekend with co-workers. That is not a decompression. It's, it's helping. <laughs> Repeated exposure is helping. It's just been sort of... There was a moment on Sunday night where I realized, oh my god, it's actually over. And need, it was kind of sad. Do you need Kleenex? <laughs> not at the moment, no. Not yet. Okay. Not fine. yet. If I start listening to, the, listening to the score again, I very well might. See, you do that to yourself. I know. Masochistic wench. I can't help it. Oh, and by the way, uh, happy birthday, wench fairy, just in case this is coming out around the time of your birthday. This might be slightly belated, but yes. Happy birthday, Emily! <laughs> Surprise! For the next few weeks, the podcast will probably be coming out on Monday because I am working the next few Saturdays. So I might do a little editing on Saturday. Sunday will be the big edit like crazy. I usually like to sleep on it, take one little last listen to the podcast, see if there's anything, any other little edits I need to make, write down all the stuff for the show notes, and then send it off to our admin monkey Yep, to add music. <laughs> and then as soon as he he's done that, yep. then I post it. So the next few weeks, it'll probably be on Monday. Because most of my editing will be on Sunday. So expect it then. So anyways, how are you decompressing from Harry Potter? Are you guys doing okay? Is everybody Still coping. Everybody's coping? Chocolate frogs? Pumpkin juice? Butterbeer? Comment. Let us know what you're working on. And by the way, holy crap, people are actually listening to us. <laughs> oh dear God, yes. <laughs> we figured it out. And oh my God, people are actually listening. Hi, everybody. This is kind of scary. Yeah. If anybody who is listening has actually gone to Comic-Con this year. Please. Oh, please. hell. Yes. Let us know. Leave us a comment at our website, knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 
dot mt dash p o c k e t s dot o r g or email us at knit one geek two at gmail dot com and we will be ever so envious of you yes or if you're going to a convention later this year like say Dragon Con, or if you are one of the very lucky people that are going to Sock Summit next weekend, <laughs> expect us to be whining next weekend about how we're not there. If you are going to Sock Summit, please post on Twitter. I will be watching any and all hashtags involving Sock Summit. So yeah, guys, any of any of you out there having fun, let us know what you're doing. Let us know what you're knitting. Let us know what you're geeking. So have fun, keep knitting, geek on, and we'll see you next week. Bye.